Hello, friends, and welcome to the National Beer Association's Coffee and Beer Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Pinizzato, here with the doctor, Mr. Mike Groman. Our guest today is going to be Dylan Lenz. He's a photographer and videographer. He lives in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Uh, he works with Jeff Sturgis at Whitetail Habitat Solutions, among other things that he's going to tell us about. I wanted to get into this subject of what it's like to be a videographer and content creator in the outdoors industry. Get a lot of questions about that from people. And I thought, hey, let's bring a guy on that can tell you what a day in life looks like for him. Because it is, it's hard work. I guess so. we'll leave it at that for now. And we'll let Dylan give us all the details. But before we get too much further, let's say hello to a man. And if it weren't for bad luck this hunting season, he'd have no luck at all. The doctor, Mr. Mike Groman. Mike, do you feel like there's a dark cloud following you around? I do. I mean, I hate being that person because, you know, I'm always trying to be positive because being able to hunt to me is just such a blessing. And I know that sounds a little bit cliche, but it is tough to get motivated to go out and bring your A game every single time you go and you just get kicked in the face i mean it's it's just it's really tough to to get excited about that but um yeah i'm just i don't even want to say that i'm struggling because i'm not making very i mean i've made what maybe one mistake this season and but it's just i'm seeing nothing and you know we we pulled i pulled one of my cameras and went through it but i just i have no i've had no it's the first year in 11 years that i've had no significant shooters that were frequenting i mean i had that one this year i got one picture of him saw him in person once and then that's been it and that doesn't give you a lot of confidence to get up and get excited and go out and so i've been spending more time on public yeah it's interesting because i mean i feel like the last two or three shows you and i've been belly aching a little bit about our terrible luck um but you said the, the first thing you said was absolutely right it's we're still very blessed to be able to go out and do this and so um, but it does, especially when you're not seeing deer at all, it, it gets, uh, it gets hard. It gets harder, uh, to do that also. Uh, and by the way, we're not alone. We listen to a lot of different podcasts, have a lot of friends out there that hunt and you hear a lot of the same thing. It's just been kind of a, a grind of a year, but, uh, and then you've also been playing a little bit of cat and mouse because you're like, you're sending me these photos and I feel terrible because you're, you know, you're on the way home from work and you got a food plot full of deer and then the next day when you go to hunt, they disappear on you. So it's like cat and mouse a little bit. Yeah, I've, I've just come to the realization that somehow my work schedule leaked and they, and they got it. Because, <laughs> it, I mean, it is this week, it has been, just as you said, and this is no joke. If I'm not here, my cameras are blowing up deer all over my place. If I'm here, it is, I mean, I got one picture today. I was home today, working from home. I got one picture of one doe, and I believe my neighbor's, son who is my age not you know a child shot that deer yeah i mean it's just it's just seems like that's yep it adds up yeah well we do have at least one field tag to talk about uh once we get through the interview here and we'll give a little overall report on the firearm seasons that we're going through right now and it's not all not all bad news but yeah it's been tough so hey Let's go ahead and bring in our guest, Dylan Lenz, and we're going to learn a little bit about the life of an outdoors industry photographer and videographer.
I'm excited to have Dylan Lenz joining us here on the Coffee and Deer podcast today. He's a content creator in the outdoors industry, specializing in photography and videography. Uh, he works for Jeff Sturgis at Wildlife Habitat Solutions, but also does some freelance work as well. Uh, Dylan and I first met on a hunt in Kentucky a couple years ago. He was filming for First Light and Greg Farrell on that trip. Uh, and so that was a lot of fun. We had a chance to get to know each other there a little bit. I'm glad we stayed in touch. And so that's enough for me. Why don't you fill in the gaps and tell us a little bit about yourself? Man, I feel like that sums it up pretty well. I, uh, I'm fortunate enough to, uh, you know, have, have a pretty unique, unique job and found a space here in the industry that, uh, you know, kind of allows me to, uh, take pictures of cool stuff and that, uh, you know, try and make stuff look cool is kind of what my job is. So, uh, been grinding it out doing it for I've been full-time for I think going on six years now um and man it's just it's it's a lot of moving and grooving but I love it so you live in Wisconsin and uh did you know that there was a Dylan Lenz of Wisconsin he's like the Snapchat guy that is like an attempted murderer did you know you I, I have had people send me like <laughs> this isn't you right do you know this guy yeah no 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 relation. Thank goodness. Yeah. yeah. No, I just, uh, I, I found that obviously not making light of the situation and luckily the, the victim from that is, is okay. But uh, yeah, you, you share that with a fellow Wisconsinite. Um, and so first things first, I got to give you a little bit of a hard time. I said, I wouldn't blindside you, but I actually totally lied about that. Go. I'm going to blindside you right off the bat. You and Jeff were just hunting in Pennsylvania and you didn't tell me about it. So I'm a little bit hurt. I'm so, sorry. You know, where were you? Things. We were we were in the northwest portion of PA. Um, Jeff's been going out to that area since I think it was 1991 or 1993. I can't remember. It was one of those numbers. But he's been going out there for a long time, and you know he's built you know a really good reputation of being a public land hunter, and that's one of his like favorite places to go. And uh, it was kind of cool. This is the first time that I've ever gone out there with him, so to kind of see you know, all these places and experience, you know, the, the big woods feel of Pennsylvania that I've been hearing about from him for, for so long was awesome. It's just cool experience. I'm sorry we didn't hit you up on our way. It's, PA is such a big state. I was talking to a lot of people where it's like, oh, I'm in Pennsylvania too. And it's like, yeah, but you're seven hours away. You know, it's a big state. <laughs> it's a long state for sure. Uh, but now, now that I know that you all come out here and do that, and we'll probably see Jeff I don't know if you'll be there, but at the ATA show, I'll have to bring this up and say, hey, let's, when you do that, because uh, I'm in Western PA, okay. the doctor is in Western New York, so just oh, north, really? he, he might actually even be closer to where you were than I am, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, it'd be cool to catch up with you guys when you're out here, and it looks like you had some success, right? Yeah, I, it was, you know, when you're hunting those big woods of, you know, anywhere, it's it just feels like it's all luck based right you're just sitting there staring at, at the woods and you know jeff's definitely on to something because day two um at about we'd only been sitting for maybe an hour hour and 15 minutes uh, i'm wearing my hood i'm cold i'm just you know hunched up <laughs> watching jeff and all of a sudden i see him react like there's something coming and he's like it's a buck i'm gonna shoot him and i'm like i didn't even hear him you know so i mean we just happened to be you know on the x you know just hunting those longer lines of movement and i don't know if that buck was spooked to us or if he was just doing his normal routine but it was pretty darn cool to see a legal buck in pa and a pretty good one at that come strolling through yeah it's definitely pennsylvania is unique in a lot of ways uh in terms of the terrain so you were in the, the big woods area my land is sort of like 
getting into the big woods area, but there's still yeah. some agriculture around. Uh, and it is, I'll to tell you, is I've, I've been fortunate enough to hunt all over the country. And to this day, I will always say that trying to, to shoot a whitetail buck in the Appalachians of Pennsylvania is still the hardest. Oh man, I can imagine. Yeah. And so you look out into that vastness sometimes, and especially when it's not going well and you're not seeing a lot. And then all of a sudden you're like, you're, it's like trying to find a needle in the haystack, but then also, uh, whenever sometimes you have it and it happens and everything you thought would happen comes true. And then it seems easy at times, but I, I can tell you that right now it does not seem easy. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm on the other end of that right at this moment, but, uh, but that's good. Yeah. Glad you were out here and had a chance to experience that. And, uh, yeah, we, we love it uh, here. The doctor and I certainly love the challenge. So, uh, so, Hey, how in the world did you end up getting into photography and videography? Because, uh, you actually studied, was it wildlife ecology? It was Wisconsin yeah. Stevens point. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I still live in Stevens points, um, pointer through and through loved going to school here so much that I wanted to stick around and make it home. And, um, I just, honestly, you know, I, got into, uh, I knew since I was a kid that I was going to go for wildlife ecology. And since I was probably 12 years old, I knew I was going to go to Stevens point just because of their reputation for it. And, you know, I had different goals as time went on as to what I wanted to do. I really wanted to be a research biologist or ecologist for whitetails. And, you know, as I went through school, I just kind of realized, man, maybe that's not actually, you know, for me, I, I, the grad school thing really intimidated me, you know, and just the job market at the time was just a little bit scary. And, um, I, my senior year, I just happened to get, uh, asked by some buddies if I could run a camera for them on some whitetail hunts and, um, didn't really know them at the time, the guys that I would be filming for. And my senior year, I think it was late October, mid October. I went and I filmed a hunt for a guy and I was like, Holy cow, this is it. This is what I want to do. And, um, I started skipping a lot of my senior year classes to, to get in the woods and, <laughs> and film hunts and, had just a blast and you know it felt like it was you know the big show you know you're running a big camera following somebody that wants to be on you know a hunting personality and it was just it was so mesmerizing and so cool that was at the time when you know heartland bowhunter was coming up and they were really kind of pioneering this new take on videography in the outdoor space where it's more cinematic it's telling a, you know more of a full story and for me that was just so captivating um and i just as soon as I started doing it, I was like, I got to figure out how I can do this full time. This is this is what I want to do. And I job hopped a little bit after college doing some stuff in the natural resource space until eventually I, you know, forged a path and got in, introduced with Jeff and doing more of that filming with the, the previous guys that I've been filming for and eventually made the jump. And it's it's been a long time coming, but it's been a lot, a lot of fun. So the doctor and I, before we were world famous podcast hosts, uh, <laughs> the, the doctor actually produced a really good video that we did here in Pennsylvania. And so Mike, you'll recall some of that, that some of that rings true to us right back when we were carrying cameras around. And I told this story, Mike, Mike's the one that made the big investment and got the nice camera. And the first oh, yeah. time he, he handed that thing to me, to be honest with you, and he was hunting. I was, I was praying that a freaking deer didn't come by because I, I was so afraid. <laughs> to move oh, that sure. expensive camera but, oh yeah uh, does that bring back some memories mike it, it does it makes me laugh because the other the other guy that we were hunting with his and it's just his personality he likes to push my buttons and he said 
what if this camera falls out of the tree? And I said, you better be right behind it, you know, because I had, I had so much money into that thing. It's like, you know, you, you better try and catch it and break its fall because if you don't, there's gonna be trouble. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's something that you know, I, I've always wanted to do. I like, and to this day, I still like videography. I still like photography because it allowed me to, which my initial, <clears throat> excuse me, my initial, reason was because I'd come home and tell my wife these stories and my kids and hey I saw this I saw that and I wanted to to be able to better show them yeah. and so I started carrying a home video camera and it it just kind of evolved from there so I, I totally get it when you're out there and something really speaks to you and it's like that light bulb moment that this is it this is where I want yeah. to be so I totally get it yeah absolutely and that's you know part of it was you know before I was even picked up a real camera. I was always the guy in our, in just my friend group that I was always the picture taker. I was always the one that, Hey, get together. Let's remember this somehow, get a photo here, whether it's, you know, we're out fishing or out duck hunting or deer hunting at the truck afterwards. And, you know, it used to be a little digital camera. And then when we got an actual picture phone, I was the guy that was always, I felt like the annoying mom, like, Hey, let's take these pictures so that we'll remember them someday. And now looking back, I mean, we have all these photos that probably wouldn't have had not somebody been there to be like, Hey, I need to be the dad or the mom right now and tell you guys to get in for this photo. So now looking back, I mean, it's about those memories for me. It's like the little tiny details that you might not recall so well, but you're going through an old album. You're like, Oh, that's right. I forgot. We stopped there for breakfast that day. Or, you know, uh, that we had this chipmunk that wouldn't leave us alone. It's just those little tiny things that, you know, you recall and that help bind you to those moments a lot better. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, as we mentioned, you uh, work with Jeff Sturgis and the work that he does. And he's a guy that, man, he has a lot of energy. I mean, puts out a lot of content. Um, what's it like working with Jeff? Oh, man, it's it's pretty awesome. Again, I feel like I'm very, very lucky. I'm very fortunate. Uh, we'll get to later, I'm sure, about you know recommendations on people. But it's really about networking and just sticking with the right people. Jeff is an awesome dude. He kind of picked me um, up back in 2015, 2016. Um, I was actually working at a deer farm at the time, just because I loved whitetails, no matter, you know, where they were, what, what the circumstances were, I wanted to be around deer. And um, he called me one day out of the blue and was like, Hey, I had edited some videos for him in the past. He said, those videos you edited for me, you know, a year or two ago, I'm looking to do a lot more of those in the future. What would you think about, you know, being the guy that edited them? working for me full time. And within three weeks, my wife and I were moved across Wisconsin to go work for Jeff full time. Wow. And it was pretty awesome that he just kind of saw what I had in mind, what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, just kind of picked me up and made the transformation for me. And, you know, man, looking back, I think this, this was our eighth year hunting and filming together. And it's just crazy how quickly time flies. And it's amazing to look back and see, you know, when I started working for Jeff, he had 92 YouTube subscribers. Now wow. he's, you know, 200 and some thousand. And yeah, he's we, killing it. We do 200 videos, 208 videos per year for YouTube. It's four a week, but it's that content train and, you know, staying uh, consistent in the algorithm of that is YouTube and all these search engine things. And it's, it's pretty incredible that the guy still wants to talk about whitetails as much as he does, but it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, he's definitely fired up about it and I'm lucky to uh, be hitched to him. Well, he's lucky to be hitched to you too. I'll give him credit for seeing your talent because it's one sure. thing to just be the guy that likes to take pictures and do video. 
Uh, but that doesn't mean you're good at it, right? But you are. <laughs> sure. I mean, you're a supremely talented guy, and at well, the end, we'll you. tell people where to go see, see some of your sure. stuff. So good for him to to spot that in you. And so saying that, though, why don't you just sort of take us through a day in the life? Uh, so, you know, you, you get up in the morning and just just like take us from start to finish it. You're going to you're going to work a full day with Jeff. What does it look like? Yeah. So it's it's very different when I when I work with Jeff versus when I'm freelancing for others. But we'll do a day with Jeff is, you know, I live here in Stevens Point. Jeff lives near Winona in Minnesota. So um, depending on what the season is, you know, if we're hunting or not, um, if we are hunting, sometimes I'll actually get up or go the night before and I can crash at Jeff's place or I'll get up really early. And I'll drive it's uh, between two and two and a half hours over to Jeff's and I'll go and we'll either hunt that morning or we'll take a video morning. And it's just we kind of have to plan ahead. OK, if we're doing four videos a week, we're not filming together again for 10, 11 days. That means we need to shoot six videos or seven videos today um, so we can kind of brainstorm on how many videos we need, what kind of topics we need to discuss based on the time of year and that kind of thing. So we'll get there. Usually it's an hour of catching up with coffee and just hanging out and kind of planning out the day. And then we just kind of break into videos and, uh, you know, uh, shout out to Jeff because he just, he can talk about whitetails. So we don't really stop and do, Oh, I want to redo that one. I didn't like the way it sounds. No, he just goes. He said, I want to talk about these five points about mock scrapes or water holes or, you know, whatever. And he just, he can go. So it's awesome that, you know, I basically, a lot of those, if we're inside and we're just standing at the whiteboard, he's got his points and I can kind of just sit there and I'm just making sure that the camera's still rolling. And uh, then there's other times when we're outside and we're, you know, running on a gimbal and we're just kind of walking through the woods, kind of discussing a setup or something like that. That's a lot of fun too. But after that, it's sometimes we'll hunt that evening. And then usually I'm kind of preparing to take off and head for home as quick as I can afterwards. Cause you know, I got that journey back. So it's um it's it's a lot of organization and then kind of after that it's all right now i have to up or uh transfer this footage get it into my editing software and kind of line it out and then i get an order from jeff as far as okay these are the this one's for tuesday this one's thursday saturday sunday and then i can start working ahead and trying to get those videos done so that you know they're all good to go but that that's that's a day with whitetail habitat solutions um of filming and so that's the filming part. And then, you know, you come home and let's say you're going to try to edit that evening. So your day could start it before the sun comes up and doesn't end until well after the sun goes down. Yeah, there's it's it's so crazy. I was just talking to somebody the other day. It's I absolutely live for the fall. We, we all do. Right. But it's my most hectic time of year because there's all those videos that I do. There's videos for a lot of other partners or entities that I work with that I have to do. So there's a lot of days where it's man, I, I don't get out of the woods, you know, till seven o'clock and then I got to sit down and edit and that might be till 10 11 o'clock at night and then you're up at 4 30 starting coffee the next morning but you know it's just that hustle and bustle for that three three and a half months out of the year that you know gets to be a grind and it's definitely worn on me this fall um more so than in the past but I still love it I still I'm already looking forward to next September which is awesome yeah and I think that's the one thing uh you know, we're going to get into that here in a second to people that say, Hey, how do I do that? I want to do that. I want to make sure, sure. that people understand that, uh, that, that is, uh, you know, a pretty tall order. It's not, it's not easy work. So, uh, yeah, Mike, yeah. you look like you're ready to chime in. Yeah. So Dylan, you talked about when you're in season, yeah. what does out of season look like, or, you know, the, the spring of the year, the summer, 
So that's what's really interesting, I would say, and unique about what I do is, you know, I do this stuff in the hunting industry, um, the filming in the hunting industry, but I do so much more on the outside, right? So I actually work for Jeff as a habitat consultant as well. So I'll go to 60 to 70 clients each year where I'm showing up and we'll, you know, basically do a full consult of their property, how I would change things, how I would hunt it, recommendations on food plots, stand placement, uh, all that kind of stuff. That's really fun too. That That's where that's going to start taking off here pretty quick for me. But January through May, I'm going pretty steady into that game. Um, and then I also do a ton of production on the outside of the hunting industry as well. So I do a lot of um, like event um, coverage um, in some stuff, not even hunting related, where it's either it's a corporate gig or um, I do some actually come out your way in the summer, Nick, and yours as well, Mike, where I come out and do the four-wheel jamboree in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. It's this big truck rally. And it's just, you know, a client that I've built uh, uh, a rapport with where they hire me for eight to 10 of these events a year. And they're usually three days of a crack and I'm gone filming and then doing just a bunch of editing on the fly for those events that they can then use in their social media. And then all that footage afterwards and photos are used for their advertisements and all that as well. So it's, that's, what's cool about what I do is I never get bored. It's always, all right, as soon as this is over, I shift into this season and then I shift into this next season. So obviously September through uh, November and December, that's my most anticipated, you know, fall hunting content, but all around the year, it's something else that I'm filming or uh, working on habitat with. So with that being said, you, you are, at least it sounds like September, October, November is your favorite time of year. How much time do you get to be out from behind the camera and spend some time doing what you like to do in the woods? So I, I've really just in the last two seasons, been able to like carve this new niche for myself in the industry as like a content creator. And I say content creator because I am by no means an influencer. I'm not a guy that people are like, Oh my God, did you see what Dylan lens killed? Or, you know, they're not following me. They like the photos and the videos that I take. And so um, what I've been able to do is I've built uh, some relationships with some brands in the outdoor industry that, you know, for example, the outdoor group out of uh, New York, they have elite archery, Flick trick broadheads, CBE sites, Scott uh, releases, all that. So basically, if, you know, can build retainers with some of these companies where they're expecting X amount of images or videos per month. And so I can do some of that self-filming or, you know, just hunting on my own and then creating content around that. So again, not like people are following my each sit and my each hunt. It's the, the videos and the photos that come from those. So that's what's cool is I get to go and hunt a little bit more now than I had was able to two or three falls ago. Um, but now I just go and I just take a camera and I can take photos of these products that then can get used in social media and ads and stuff like that. So that has been, you know, a very, I feel like unique change for my trajectory and my career is being able to do that a little bit more and actually get to hunt for myself a little bit more these last couple of years. Okay. I'm a, let's just, we'll make it up here. I'm a, I'm a 28 year old kid. Just got married. My dreams always to be, to be in the outdoor industry. And so I come up to you, Dylan and say, Hey man, how do I get into this? Or more importantly, what does it take to be able to do this? So give us a little bit of the good. And I think you've done some of that. You've told us yeah. some of that. And also some of the, just, I don't want to say the bad, but just some of the realities of the job. 
Yeah. I mean, so again, I feel like what I do is very unique. If you want to do what I do, it's about building relationships with companies and not trying to be the star, right? It's about, Hey, I can make these products look cool. If you give them to me, I will either give them to someone else that I'm going to follow on a hunt and take photos of that. Or, you know, throughout the year, you need some gear breakdowns or some, you know, videos on these products. I can get those done for you throughout the fall. And I think that that is becoming more common in the industry and it's definitely needed more and more. There's so many companies that reach out to me that are like, Hey, we like what you did here. Can you do that for us? And it's like, ah, you know, unfortunately I have conflict, you know, with these different partners. And so there's a lot of room for others to, to flourish in this industry. And that's what, you know, to get to the ugly a little bit, I feel like this, this industry gets really competitive and there's a lot of big egos in it. And it's all about, you know, I want to be the coolest. I want to, you know, be the guy on camera, that kind of thing. But if you're willing to take a step back and be like, hey, I just want to make stuff look cool and experience this stuff as well. I mean, I get just as jacked up when I'm running the camera and somebody shoots a buck as the guy that shoots the buck. So if I can go along and just, hey, I can hop on this many more hunts then and be in the woods that much more. And I still get that same enjoyment out of it. That's where I feel like there's a lot more needed for these content creator positions, you know, YouTube channels and all that. It's getting so saturated, but if you can find a way to run your camera, make stuff look cool. That's a little bit unique or different, throw your own style on it. I feel like that's really, um, that that's where things are headed as far as, you know, the, the things that I do in the way that I could see the industry going. Um, and as far as resources and stuff go, I mean, I'm all self-taught when it comes to this video and photo stuff. YouTube is, an enormous, you know, help. You can look up so many different tutorials on cameras, um, editing, all that stuff. And everybody in this industry that does it is also super willing to help. So, you know, throughout the years, I always reached out to so many creators. I love how you did this. Could you give me a little bit of information on it? And it's not like they're going to give away all their best secrets and stuff, but it's just, Hey, if you thought about this, maybe this is the frame rate you need to be running. Maybe look at this lens or whatever, you know, it's, this is a really friendly industry when you get into the nitty gritty of it. And it's a small industry. And that's my other recommendation too, is it's way smaller of an industry when it comes to the people. So never burn a bridge. You never know when that person is going <laughs> to shift and then be the marketing person for the company that you really want to work for. So stay tight with people and treat them right. That would be my next recommendation. Yeah. So you mentioned Heartland Bowhunter as being one of your early inspirations. Let's talk for a second about, where do you get or find your artistic spark in regards to what or how do you keep pushing yourself to be creative, be different, be evolutionary, if you will? I think it's all based on need, right? So it, it really depends on what kind of clients you're working for, what kind of content they're looking for. But honestly, a lot of the inspiration and style that, that you know, you see new in this industry, it doesn't necessarily come from the hunting industry. So there's all these different facets, all these different um, industries that just need cool content. So you can really look around and be like, okay, I watched a, a, a Rosignol ski video and man, the style on it was awesome. Or, you know, this, you know, mountain bike uh, company was doing some really cool stuff. And it's maybe you just pick up little aspects of that and be like, I just really like how quickly that was cut together. And I liked the the detail that was shown. It was very macro. It's looking at these small, tiny details. And I could do that with my bow, my release, my arrows, and climbing into my stand. And next thing you know, you're then a standout because it hasn't been done in this industry yet. So just kind of like 
just, you know, be a sponge, just kind of look around, you know, follow a ton of different kinds of Instagram pages and creators, not necessarily just in the hunting industry. So you're not just copying the stuff that's now trickled down to the hunting industry. And now you're a step behind, try and be on that forefront. And I'm not saying that I'm the most creative guy that's out on that forefront, but I, that's just, I feel like, you know, something that's really helped me kind of carve my own style a little bit. Well, I think part of being good is also being willing to look at what others do and not be, you know, arrogant to where, no, it has to be what I like. Sure. And so, and we've mentioned the Heartland guys a couple of times. So Sean and Mike are certainly industry friends and talking about great people in the industry. Those, those two guys are, are certainly top notch, but they were one of the early ones. Matter of fact, I, I give them credit and I've told them this for changing outdoor television because they started, I remember their earliest films were uh, almost no talking. Like they just right. captured all of the elements of the hunt. And I'm sure that's the stuff that got you excited and uh, they, they have, yeah, they've inspired some people. So I think this will be fun for people to hear. So tell us uh, about some of the, you know, maybe one or two of the coolest projects you've ever worked on and also some of the worst, because it doesn't always go as planned, right? The work we do at the National Deer Association wouldn't be possible without the support from partners like Johnny Morris, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's, and their customers throughout North America. A grant from the Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's Outdoor Fund is supporting the NDA's national initiative called Improving Access, Habitat, and Deer Hunting on Public Lands, with the goal of improving 1 million acres of federal and state-controlled lands by 2026. This grant is directly accelerating work in this initiative to address forest vigor and access issues in six states. In the end, this will address declines in deer hunter numbers, habitat quality, and hunter access, helping to improve wildlife conservation for generations to come. Yeah, and you know, I, I can't say that there's necessarily like one project that sticks out as this was it. This was the, the height. This is the best. It's always looking ahead like, oh, I can't wait to do that next trip. I can't wait to do that next trip. But I'll tell you right off the bat, my very first uh, trip as a freelance videographer. I'm not going to drop any names or anything like that, but it was an awesome hunt in British Columbia. Great time. It was, you know, me just at just breaking out in the industry, going on this super cool hunt and experiencing great places. And it was also one of the worst trips I ever went on as far as like the conditions, uh -huh. the just the way that the hunt unfolded, some of the details with the the outfitter and this and that. But I look back on that now and I have all these photos of like, just the positive memories of man was that place cool man was that hunt awesome and you know the bear that got into our camp on that trip and you know <laughs> ate everything that we had in our spike camp that then stranded us for three days looking at the time was awful but now looking back it's like whew, that was cool that's a once in a lifetime thing i hope you know yeah yeah no that's cool i mean you've seen a lot at this point you've been in a lot of things i think also you've been in you know, you've been up in trees with a lot of different people too. I mean, there's a lot of different personalities, right? And you have to kind of adapt to what their hunting expectations are, right? That to me is like one of the coolest parts because I mean, I've, I don't know this fall, but I would guess I probably hunted with 10 different people. I know there was one year I hunted with 18 different people in a tree. Wow. So yeah, just kind of, it's so amazing and cool how different people hunt and what works for some people and what people absolutely don't accept happening in the tree, you know, no snacks, no nothing. And then there's people that like literally just bring the kitchen sink out there and, you know, just kind of like, 
you know, just kind of molding yourself to just hopefully be a fly on the wall that they also enjoy the company of, you know, like that, that to me is like the fun part. And I like to think I'm easy going enough where I can get along with all those different kinds of people. And like, it's just so cool hunting with different people and experiencing camp with different people and different places. Right. It's just awesome. So real quick, I want to ask you, cause you touched on equipment earlier. So what, what are you shooting? What is your main camera you're using for video and also for photography? And I, now I, I assume these are going to be, you know, these are professional cameras, but sometimes people, they want to know what you're using and also yeah. maybe might be surprised. Maybe you also use something that's more of a prosumer model. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is like, so this, I, I'm kind of, for the longest time I was chasing what's new, the best gear, the next camera, that kind of thing. And I actually kind of just like fell, you know, into this spot where now I've been running the same camera bodies for the last two seasons and i'm pretty comfortable running them i'm running sony mirrorless i run two a7s3s those are my um main video cameras they're this big they're awesome and then you can plug lenses onto those they're i mean they're basically just look like a, a photo camera right but the way that this technology has moved has just made that great enough to to capture any kind of moment i can do slow-mo in that I, the low light is incredible on those and you can plug any different lenses onto those you know based on whatever you need to film and then i also am running just like i run some gopros when i'm doing some my own self hunts and that's been really cool because it changes that style up and gives you that point of view and that's been something that's been really fun to experiment and play with the last couple seasons is that I just want to get the over the shoulder GoPro shot and then I can show myself climbing into the tree stand. So it feels like you're there in that moment. Um, and I also picked up just a Sony handy cam this year. Uh, the viewers won't be able to see it, but it's literally like the size of a cell phone. Pretty much battery lasts forever. The video quality is terrible, but it has that nostalgic <laughs> feel of like that. can you know, you look back on home movies. It has that home movie style feel. And that's been really fun to just, throw into some some videos just to kind of emulate that camp feel and add a little bit of that vintage nostalgia feel to it so i run a, a sony a7 IV. that's another mirrorless camera that's my, more my stills rig um and then the a7s3 is my main video rigs but it's just been really fun to use different stuff and try and make stuff unique yeah i love the creativity going old school i mean that's some of the pre-hd stuff I, I got a bunch just from my years of self-filming and looking back at some of the old stuff is, is actually kind of neat to see it that way. So, uh, Hey, you, you had mentioned this, but your own hunting exploits, how's your season going this year? And have you had a chance to get out much? Man, I, I have, I have had a good time this fall and, you know, I'm getting humbled right now. It's after rifle season here in Wisconsin. And I shot a buck here in Wisconsin with my bow, uh, November 2nd, oh, great. Uh, one of my, one of my target bucks I was after. It was awesome. Um, he caught me off guard and was coming straight in and he hit my mock scrape at 27 yards and I managed to put a good arrow in him and, uh, didn't quite watch him tip over, but, uh, got to go, uh, recover him pretty quickly after that. And, uh, you know, quick note on that. I, the only reason that I was able to be home to hunt for that sit, um, was because I was filming Tony Peterson in North Dakota that week oh. and he happened to tag out early. So that gave me a day home early and I went and was able to get on this buck in the meantime, which was just incredible. Um, rarely get to hunt the first week in November because obviously that's a very sought after time for videographers. So being able to be home for that day was awesome. So I killed that buck, but I'm getting humbled here. It's muzzleloader season now. And honestly, I don't have a lot of target bucks that I'm after at this point. I think the gun season was really rough on them, but Hey, what, what happens during gun season happens, but I'm just trying to shoot a doe in the last three days. 
they are schooling me and it's just been really tough i saw some tonight and it's just just you know in some thick stuff that i wasn't comfortable shooting into and it's like i just want to shoot the dough to fill the freezer i'm having a heck of a time here these last couple days um but what's interesting is in my area here in wisconsin we have a really high population of white deer which Mm -hmm. you cannot shoot they're not albino they're just white deer and every time i've gone to sit i've been able to shoot a white doe but the brown deer are staying in the brush and staying you know tight and i can't get a shot so it's just pretty interesting (laughs) yeah but whenever you want a doe is the hardest time to kill one oh man it's crazy yeah 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 (laughs) and so yeah i mean certainly certainly know that feeling for sure and so as you know we do a lot of work with first light and meat eater and so this is coming full circle for me now having listened to tony in the podcast you were the one with him when he was oh, talking yeah. about being in the miserable cold oh my gosh that, that was to be a terrible hunt. it was it's one of those hunts where it's like the best and the worst right like the conditions now looking back like i don't even remember how cold it was i just remember that it was a good time and hey it worked so the photos are awesome because it's snow piling down and wind like crazy and it all happened to work out. It was a fun, fun trip. And man, hunting, that was the first time I hunted with Tony. And I really hope I get to hunt with him again, because he's another one of those guys where it's like, get to learn from somebody that is a master in this industry. Yeah, uh, because I've gotten to know a number of videographers over the years, I often find myself wondering, I wonder who's with him right oh, yeah. now on these. And so it's funny that you were with him on that hunt, which is really <laughs> cool. So uh, hey, Dylan, we won't keep you because you probably got some editing you want to do, or maybe you just want to get some sleep. But uh, I, people can find your stuff on Instagram. It's Dylan, D-Y-L-A-N, uh, double underscore lens, L-E-N-Z. And there's just some awesome stuff on there, folks. You get a little feel for uh, Dylan's talent uh, for sure. Is there anywhere else you want to point people to? That's perfect. Take a look at Jeff's, uh, you know, the Whitetail Habitat Solutions uh, YouTube. That's where, you know, the bulk of my stuff goes. It's a little bit more um low and i wouldn't say low quality i don't mean to say that but it's just more this is talking head stuff with cool b-roll thrown over the top of it it's not gonna you know break any records for cool edits or anything like that but there's a lot of good information there and a a lot of it so it's it's a lot of fun all right well hey we appreciate your time we certainly appreciate your talents and your enthusiasm for what you do and uh, hey look forward to catching up with you in, in person again soon all right absolutely thanks fellas Dylan is one of those guys, Mike, who is just so positive and he always has a smile on his face. I mean, having spent some time in camp with him, I can tell you that that's, that's just who this guy is, right? He's very uh, upbeat and positive and he's absolutely the guy. You know, I was thinking about this. If I'm out there, uh, you know, let's say I'm one of the meat eater guys and I'm out there slugging away and, you know, having a tough season, like Dylan's the guy you want in the tree with you because he's just going to bring that positive energy. And I think he got across some critically important points it's number one, it's incredibly hard work. You have to have a lot of energy and a sense of humor. And it's not all fun and games out there. Well, and he also, a couple of things that I took away from this is that you almost have to be a, like a, a Renaissance person, man or woman, you know, where he's looking at other media outlets and appreciating their creativity and really critically looking at how can I pull something from this. So, I mean, if, if someone loves hunting as much as we do and as much as Dylan does, it's really easy to put on the blinders and just absorb hunting content. And so I give him a lot of credit for the grant. He does film, you know, he said monster trucks and things like that, or cars and things, but to, to have the foresight, to be able to look at those other things and appreciate them for what they are, which is good 
artistic and creativity um, content, I think that's that speaks volumes about staying relevant. Yeah, a lot of times what you see on television, and this is where a lot of times people get the idea that, hey, I want to do this. Uh, it is not they don't see what it takes to to accomplish that. And and that's just that's that end of the business. Then there's the other end of it. I mean, um, you know, we, we put in personally tremendous amount of work, blood, sweat and tears, money into improving our properties. And then like we'll even show our own social media clips or I'll write a story for NDA or whatever talking about it. And then I'll have people like, hey, can you come put in a plot for me or show me how to do it? And uh, it's never that simple. OK, it's never that simple. And one thing to be successful. You cannot get around the hard work part of it. OK, that's anything in your life. All right. You want to you want to get in shape and lose weight. There is no shortcut. You want to have a good uh hunting property there's no shortcut you want to be a you want to do video uh for uh, outdoor industry create videos it is hard hard work and so yeah if you're someone that, that wants to work hard and you love it and you're a dylan it's there for you to do if you're someone that's like well kind of hearing that maybe i'm not so jazzed about it uh then this was helpful for you too well i think also you have to be a realist because there's the the few people that would hear that and say, oh, I can do that. And they they invest their time and potentially some money and some effort. And when it gets hard, no offense to anybody out there, but they fold. And because reality is a very, very strict master. And <laughs> if, you re if you aren't expecting it, just like me with this hunting season, you're gonna get kicked in the face. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's not fun. So no. Don't get kicked in the face, but uh, no, it was great. And I think uh, if you're listening to this and you, and you want to learn more, I'm sure Dylan would be happy to answer your questions. We'll, we gave you his Instagram handle. We'll put it in the show notes, send him a message. And uh, like you said, there are a lot of really friendly, helpful people in the industry. They're not all big egos and uh, take advantage of that for sure. So, Hey, let's go ahead and do a little firearms season report. And I'm going to start by saying this, Mike, and I, I'm a little surprised. I, th I think it's clear. I, definitely uh, prefer archery hunting to anything else. I always have. Uh, but I did a, a ton of gun hunting growing up, just not as much in recent years. But I have to say, I've kind of enjoyed this change of pace a little bit. Uh, just different strategy, carrying the gun around. I took, uh, I had this 270 sitting there. I don't remember if I already told the story. Folks, if I already told the story, I apologize. I'm going to tell it again. I had a brand new 270 sitting there in a box uh and i got the uh, silencer from silencer central and they're just sitting there doing nothing and literally less than a week before firearm season I'm like you know what i need to get a, a scope on this thing put a vortex scope on it went and shot at the range i loved it it was fun and i like i'm enjoying carrying a gun out to the woods and uh so i'll start with that my focus has been uh really i have i still have one doe tag to fill and i'm really i'm still trying to kill my target buck out at my place, which I'm having, I'm having trouble finding. I'm imagine that. And so that's been my goal. I'm only, I'm only hunting one stand sitting in my redneck uh, ghillie blind on a tower. Uh, because I, I, what I also don't want to do is I'm, I'm right next to lots of acres of private land, right? I'm trying also not to push uh, younger bucks out there to, to get, to potentially get shot uh, It's just part of my management plan. Uh, but I made the decision last Sunday to pull the trigger on a doe which was pretty cool. 
uh, ended up, you and I were texting the whole time. I'm like, I see some far away, but I really want a chip shot. Uh, and so I did. I got to end up shooting a doe at 15 yards with a gun. That's a whole other story. Um, go ahead. But I'm going to interrupt you there, though. So you still need to give us an update on the the silencer because that was the first you you know you shot it this year you got that gun ready and you harvested a doe with it so so give everyone the rundown because we've had um brandon right from silencer central on twice and so yeah. wh what do you think about the the suppressor yeah so yeah I'm, I'm glad you took me back to that so uh give you an idea my, my rig essentially it's a uh it's a browning uh browning x-bolt 270 and it's got a vortex uh, copperhead three to nine scope on it and i've got the banish 30 suppressor from silencer central i'm also uh, you might find it interesting i'm shooting uh, winchester deer season uh, copper i'm shooting copper uh, bullets uh, so they're, they shoot really well and as i found out they did a really good job on this doe so anyway um brand new setup for me i, I fired that gun less than 10 times and so the silencer is an interesting one. So I put the suppressor on, silencer suppressor. I don't, I don't know what the appropriate term is. I'll probably just go back and forth. But I go to the range, and i got to be honest. I told you this, Mike. First of all, I put this thing on, and it is really simple, right? You, you literally just screw the thing on to the end of your barrel. You have to have your barrel threaded, which Silencer Central did uh, for me. And so I, I still, though, was a little bit nervous pulling the trigger the first time. Because I, I just, even though I know the bullet doesn't actually touch the suppressor, I just was a little nervous about it because I'd never done that before. And there was like, there was a, it's funny, there was an older guy at the range when I got there. I shot at the public range, one of the Pennsylvania Game Commission ranges. And uh, I hurried up and wanted to fire my first shot while he was still there, just in case, just in case something happened. <laughs> and uh, nothing happened. And I tell you, nothing happened to the point where I was like, I can't believe that was a 270 I just shot. Because I can tell you my very first impression, number one, sound-wise, it was like the equivalent to shooting like a 22. And recoil-wise, you know, they say it takes away like 25% of the recoil. I, I would say at least that. And so I couldn't wait to fire another round. I got to tell you, it just, it just amazed. I, I could not believe. I knew it would be different. But I have to say it exceeded expectations. I shot uh, six or seven shots there to get zeroed in at 100 yards. And, and and don't make fun of me. Someone's listening to this right now saying, I can get zeroed in in two shots. All right, I'm not that guy. So I'm just going to put that out there. Don't make fun of me. Um, anyway, I shot six or seven shots. I could have shot that thing all day uh, if ammo wasn't a million dollars. And I, I never would have. It was no fatigue, no shooter fatigue. So anyway, uh, I, I decided to shoot that doe. And my neighbor who is hunting his property, he texts me. Within seconds of that shot, he says, did you shoot? And I text back. I said, yeah, I just shot a doe. And he said, did you have a muzzle loader or something? And I had to explain to him. I said, no, actually, it's a suppressed 270. And he just, he found that really interesting. So um, anyway, I shoot, I shoot the doe, make a good shot on her. She didn't go far. And, uh, and it was good. And I've also since uh, just the other night passed on a nice three-year-old nine point that uh, I had promised myself going into the season, you're not shooting a three-year-old this year. And, and I didn't, so I was really proud of that. And I uh, saw a decent eight point. So it's been it's been pretty good. I mean, I've been seeing deer just about every time out, just not, not the one I'm after. But I think the big revelation is I have enjoyed the change of pace of carrying a rifle. 
and I'm, I'm certainly going to like going back to the bow here in the winter season, but it's, it's been good. I've, I've enjoyed it and I'm glad I've done it. So, well, for me, my rifle season is, is pretty short and sweet. New York has been horrible. Uh, first day, never saw a deer. Second morning, never saw a deer. Um, I have three evening sits in there, including today have not seen a deer, but I did hunt the first day of gun season in Pennsylvania. You helped me with get dialed in a spot on some public ground that I used to hunt a different area of when I was younger and had a really good day in there. So um, kind of an adventure hunt for me. Uh, we had, I had to cross a small creek, and as you said, you know, it really did eliminate 90% of the other hunters. And so I saw 17 deer on that first day and four of them were bucks. One of them was a shooter. One was a, a either a, a decent, a really nice nine or 10. And, um, but just hammering, you know, just running like they stole it and through brush. And I was hoping that they were going to stop because I had some heavy cover off to my side, but they, they never broke stride. But the good news is, is after sitting there all day in that location, there is a focal point. There is a bottleneck where 95% of the deer were within this 40 yard area. And so I, you know, took a short video clip, sent it to you, put a pin there. And, um, I believe that spot will be, be a good spot for years to come. Yeah. I mean, it's a spot that you'd mentioned I had scouted it, uh, starting last winter. And then again in the spring and even though it looked good and I had some cameras in there, it's still only a hunch until somebody actually sits it. And so the combination of just the early just reconnaissance and then you sitting it, now all of a sudden we've got a pretty solid spot that if either you or I want to go into, uh, and and it still I'm sure needs to be refined even more, but I, got, I want to give the doctor some props here. So when he says he crossed a small stream, I mean, it technically is a small stream. However, we just had... Uh, you could have walked across this thing in a pair of Crocs, you know, and not got your feet wet two weeks ago. But then right before the doctor came down and we were going to go look at this thing, we got like an inch of rain. And I said, you know, you might want to bring your waders because I think that stream's going to be high. And this is a, a beautiful little trout stream. And so it was high. And whenever he and I went across the day before, or maybe two days before, it was two days before to go look at the spot. I mean, it made me a little nervous. And I was thinking about the doctor. I'm like, man, he's going to be crossing this thing in the dark with a flashlight. And, uh, but by and 20, two days later. 20 degree temperature too. I mean. With a climber on your back. Yeah, I went old school, man. I, I swear to God, I, I, that's the first time I've not hunted out of a saddle in three years. And that made me definitely say, guess what? It's going to be another six years before I do a non, non-saddle setup. That was just miserable and old, like old school. But um, yeah, when I came back out, it, the temperature never really peaked above freezing and my, uh, my wading boots were frozen stiff. I couldn't even get my feet inside them and the laces were frozen stiff. I mean, I had uh, an easier time crossing than I did coming back. Yeah, I mean, for any of you young hunters listening to this, if you ever think, you know what, I'm just gonna be lazy, like the doctor, he's not a spring chicken, okay? Neither am I. Uh, you know, and so he, he, this was not easy what he did. I'm telling you, he had to go up a freaking, we had to cross the stream and then he crossed the stream with his, with his climber, with a flashlight and the stream was still up a little bit. And then he had to ascend a mountain 
and then get up the tree with that climber and then come back and, and try to squeeze his frozen boots on. So I don't want Harry whining out there about how tough it is because the doctor is setting the example. So, but you had a, you at least had a pretty good day up there. Oh yeah. And I tell you what, right now, like we're, we're going to be in there turkey hunting for sure. Oh, it's yeah. It's just loaded with birds. And like you yeah. said, crossing that stream eliminates <laughs> a lot of the, a lot of the hunters for sure. And uh, you know, it's well worth it if you're going to find something over there. So yeah. Hey, who knows? we got a little bit of time left here um, in Pennsylvania. Anyway, our season, my season is going to end next Wednesday because I'm going to Missouri for a really good field to fork event out there. We're going to have 15 new hunters and I'm flying out uh, on, on Friday. Actually, I, I guess I could technically hunt till Thursday. Uh, I'm going to fly out on Friday and do that. When does the gun season wrap up there, Mike? So uh, we do a switch here. So on the your last Saturday of gun season in Pennsylvania is our first day of muzzleloader in New York. And so that is going to be, I'm heading to 60 plus thousand acres of public land in New York and I'm, I'm packing in and I'm still hunting all day long. So another nice change of pace something different sounds good i'm excited for uh, a late archery season here in pennsylvania it starts the day after christmas goes till the middle of january and then of course delaware uh, i'm going to get back out there after christmas and hunt with my buddy ron and uh hey try to still fill a duck a duck tag a buck tag <laughs> uh in one of those two states so we're going to keep slugging away and hopefully have something to report and hey by the way folks fill your doe tags all right i put out a post on my instagram and facebook the other day um, I still have one doe tag to fill. You're, you're doing the habitat a service. You're doing the herd a service. If you're in a CWD area, you're doing that a service. So uh, please fill your doe tags. We're not we're not shooting enough does across the country, and uh, please do your part. And frankly, if your freezer's already full, you can you can surely donate it. So, all right, a few NDA announcements here, and we'll we'll wrap up the show. Uh, hey, recent content. We've put out a lot of good stuff here. Uh, just in today's newsletter, we're recording on a Thursday. You're hearing this on a following Wednesday. Um, bucks of all ages succeed in the wild, what, uh, wild whitetail rut. Lindsay Thomas put that together. Fascinating article about uh, sort of what's happening out there with the breeding, who's doing the breeding among bucks. Um, uh, another one, slow cooker venison chili recipe. Elizabeth Kleege uh, on our team put that together. And it, just the picture alone was enough to make me want some, but I'm going to have some of that going here as the weather has chilled. Uh, Elizabeth, very talented person on our staff. Uh, also, here's one that I wrote, uh, definitely dropping in the level of talent here, but uh, five <laughs> five lessons learned from a 10-point buck that someone else tagged. Now, Mike, can you think of someone more suited to write an article like that than me? <laughs> hey, you have to you have to share what you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so uh, uh, there's that one to check out. Also, uh, you can get that on our on our uh, webpage, deerassociation.com, and all of our social media channels. We are basically everywhere at this point. Uh, so go find us. Good stuff out there. Also, reminder: our gear for deer sweepstakes is winding down. This is the one with our friends at First Light, Quiet Cat, and Tethered, uh, and also Performance Outdoors. First prize is an Illinois rut hunt in 2024 with a celebrity guest. You can do bow or gun. You're also going to get a Quiet Cat e-bike uh, decked out in First Light Spectre, $1,500 First Light gift card, complete tethered saddle hunting package with carbon fiber Vader platform, and also a set of one sticks. Like you are the you are going to be the king of the day if you win that thing. 
and it's not expensive to get in. We got second and third prizes as well. That ends December 31st, which means that would be a great holiday gift to get somebody uh, on your list, someone in the outdoors that would like that. Also, NDA merch makes great gifts as well. We have premium memberships. You could gift somebody our life memberships. We just got one in yesterday. Uh, these come with a Hawa Bolt Action 6.5 Creedmoor or 308 rifle. And it's going to be engraved NDA life member. Really cool uh, component of our life membership. Uh, we have hats, shirts, books, signs, you name it. Uh, think about that stuff for the holidays. We certainly appreciate your support. Hey, folks, as always, thank you so much for listening. Give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts, good or bad. We got broad shoulders. We can take it. Uh, but we hope you're enjoying the show. National Deer Association, where we are united for deer. <laughs>